Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to the extended cut. Come on, now. we're back. back. We're back. Yes, who's back? Us. That's right. Us. We're back. The extended cut is back, and uh, it has been quite the hiatus, uh, mainly because we lost our space to get to record the podcast every week. And uh, so over time, you know, we just missed this enough that we said, well, I guess we won't do anything video related for a little while because we're kind of on the go, but uh, we can set up a couple mics and record this each week. So kicking off with this uh, new sermon series by bringing the extended cut back. Chris, could you remind the listeners what the extended cut is? The extended cut is our chance to dive deeper into the previous week's message. Maybe looking at some more opportunities for reflection. Maybe there's some points of clarification or things that were like, gosh, this just couldn't quite fit in the message in under two hours. Therefore, we're taking this opportunity to dive deeper in. And uh, our prayers that this is encouraging to you who's listening, and it can help you even develop more of a desire to continue to study uh, what we talk about on Sundays throughout the week in your devotional time and your time in the Word and bring some insight into how we see things and maybe help open up just the amazingness of the Bible to you as a reader and as a disciple of Jesus. Yeah, no, that's really good. And I, and I think I'd add like one of our one of our heart postures for this new era of the extended cut is uh, to really try to probe the mind of the person who didn't preach each week a little bit more um, than how we used to was was a bit more just kind of uh, very carefully like you know the the same five questions of how do you prepare and what was encouraging and what was difficult and all these kinds of things and I think those reflections are valuable and you'll probably see bits and pieces of that in this time. Um, but part of what we want to do in this space is also recognize the value of whoever didn't preach, uh, which feels funny to say, cause that's me this week. Um, but, uh, the, the value, value <laughs> the value of who did not preach, um, to contribute to, uh, whatever the topic was or the scripture emphasis. And so it's great. I'm excited for that. Um, just, uh, getting to, uh, encourage each other a little bit more to share more reflections if either one of us has, has preached that week and uh, hype each other up too because especially this week there's a lot of things I liked in this message so I'm excited to to be back doing this with you Pastor Chris no one else I'd rather be doing this podcast with Pastor hey, Case. hey come on come on now uh, before we get into the podcast let's talk about a couple upcoming events at Grace City uh, what do we got going on <laughs> What do we got going on? I'm glad you asked because March 1st through 3rd, Pastor Casey Olson is our annual men's weekend. Come on, come on, come on. Only $150 gets you fed, housed, and built up in the Lord and in your relationships with others. March 1st through 3rd, we're going to be at Camp Tadmore, so it's not six hours away like last year. It's closer. Praise it's going to be a little different, but it's going to be great. And uh, our prayer is that if you are a male who is a part of our church family whether you've been here for a week or for 10 years which would be impossible because we haven't been here 10 years but as a figure of speech yep yeah um we would hope you'd come and uh just invest this time into community and into growing deeper with the lord and so march 1st through 3rd in our weekly emails or our website you can find a link to register for that and uh then also save the date for the women's retreat, mm. April 26th through 28th. All the things I just said about the men's weekend, copy, paste, 
It's an amazing Boom. thing. Same location, all of that. I have not personally been to a women's retreat. I don't believe you have either, but uh, my that. wife has been, and she has great things to say, and I believe her. And so if you are a lady in our church, please make it a priority to invest in that weekend and your relationship with God and the, the women in this church. And we'll get a gal here on the podcast in the next couple of weeks to uh, to be able to hype it up from personal experience. Yes, yes. Uh, that that it's another part of of our heart for the extended cut. Here is we're hoping to get some more folks on the uh, on the show. So uh, keep an eye on your inbox. You might just get an invite to come have a conversation with the two of us regarding the message. Yeah, we're now taking applications. Yes, uh, Casey at GraceCityEugene.com. <laughs> you can't put that on the internet. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it already is. Well, that's what's upcoming at Gray City. Uh, Chris, let's kick off this time. I'm making you talk, I think, more than you anticipated, but I'm sure we'll make up for it. Uh, let's talk sermon recap. We kicked off a new sermon series this week, Set Apart. Uh, tell me about the series, why we're doing it, what's it about, and this first message of yours. Yeah, so <clears throat> the objective of this sermon series is that people have a more thoroughly biblical view of holiness, one that glorifies God, transforms their hearts, and increases missional passion. And so in order to do that, it's it's kind of systematized. Like you have to break down different points that build on one another to get us by the end of the series to where we have a more full view of that. It's, in my opinion, impossible in one week to accomplish all of those goals. And so this week we started with just the idea that like, our personal holiness and pursuit of it is grounded in God. So we need to understand him as holy. What does the holiness of God look like? How does the Bible speak to that? And so that's what this whole first week is about. It's like, God's holy. Here's what the Bible says about that. Let us try to wrap our minds around that. Yeah. Because even in preparing and preaching it, I'm like, there is still so much that I wish I knew mm -hmm. so much that just blows my mind. I can't wrap my mind around, but inherent in that <laughs> is indicative of holiness of yeah. God, right? Like how, how, like if he wasn't majestic and glorious and great beyond our comprehension, like then how majestic, great and glorious is he? Yeah. And, uh, so that's where we went this week. Um, the series will continue to unpack that. Pastor Casey, as often as the case, gets the easiest, most lighthearted topic this coming week. We won't talk about it anymore yet, but teaser, um, teaser, and so that's how we started off. Awesome, yeah. Uh, a couple quotes I I really liked from the sermon. You said holiness is often something that is felt only to be observed, not experienced, uh, which I think speaks so clearly to most of our uh, like experiences and, and thinking about the idea of God's holiness. It's like this idea that we can't really grasp understandably. Uh, and so we don't often sit in a space to think about it. We just kind of let that move on. And it's kind of like, well, God's holiness is like up on this throne or locked in this throne room that we can't really enter uh, but that's not the case, and um, it is something to be experienced. It is something to impact us, and uh, so I, I just really appreciate it, even though we started that sermon in this series, and recognizing that, like, this is often an obscure and kind of detached concept for a lot of us, uh, but this is something for us to encounter and to, mm -hmm. to know is real and important. Yeah, if we are called to be holy people set apart, 
then we need to understand what that looks like. And we need to understand that that has implications on our life, not just on our observation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And oftentimes I can be in a place where I think of holiness as this Moses approaching the bush and kicking off his sandals because he's on holy ground and he can't in it like an unapproachable, unobtainable thing that again, you're to witness, you're to revere and should cause you trembling, but not something that would draw you into an experience, into a pursuit. And so um, my goal was to try to draw people like this. This is how we are called to live as well yeah. as the people of God, not just to acknowledge about him. Sure. No, that's really good. Yeah, I think that's it's well summed up in, in another quote from you. Our personal pursuit of holiness is grounded in the person of God. Therefore, we must first understand the holiness of God. Um, if this is something for us, uh, then then we need to understand who God is and what it means for him to be so holy and set apart. So yeah. I thought it was a phenomenal. It's one of my favorite sermons I've, I've heard from you in a long time. And really? It was, yeah. It just was, right. was very real, and you had some, some really great takeaways and points, and yeah, it was great. It's funny, because it's one I've struggled with the most to put together in a really long time. So. Isn't it great how God does that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's, let's keep leaning into the, into the sermons and reflections. Um, the primary teaching text you worked from was Psalm 96, 1 through 9. And four takeaways from the text were that God is glorious, God is great, God is the creator, and God is majestic. Why are terms like this so important or significant? I mean, I, I think so, so much of the time, like, I just read some, a phrase like that, and it just feels like this religious jargon that's like in one ear and out the other. I don't talk like that about like things calling them majestic and glorious and yeah. like why why is this kind of language and, and attributes so important? One of the interesting things about these attributes is it's really hard to define them without using them. Mm. Right? Like Yeah. God is so glorious. It's just his glory, his glory. Like that's what it like almost compels you to to they're they're so big. Yeah. Um outside of when we as people water them down. Because mm -hmm. um, you hear people like uh, attributing a, a good grade to like, it was glorious or like, oh, it's a glorious day. And like, now, theologically, I, I got breath in my lungs. The mm -hmm. tomb's empty. I'm in a relationship with Jesus. It's a glorious day. But people that don't have those perspectives will still use it so it can get watered down. But like you think about... I don't have the right word right now, but just how all-encompassing sure. these these words are. Um, no, it's, I think you're right. Like it forces you to imagine it more, almost in like visions and pictures and ideas more than just even the simple definition. Like when I think of glory, I almost I almost like see like a bright light that's like illuminating something and just yeah. making it like stand out so much more. Maybe in like you know, just the normal cityscape or landscape I'm used to looking at. If I'm thinking of something's glorious, it's like the sun is shining behind me. It's just so like clearly illuminated. And, and I think you're right. Like these kinds of vocabulary words, like 
prescribes so much more than just a simple definition. There's a, a fullness to it that when you really sit in it, there's there's a lot of beauty and power to unpack from them all. Yeah, that's good. the beauty and the power of the words is is hard to um, explain. Yeah. And one of the hardest parts of this message is like, okay, yeah, these are obviously repeated in song, and like this is important. It sticks out, but like now, how am I supposed to further yeah. explain? <laughs> That God's glorious. He's great. He's the create. Like God's the creator, and He created all things because He creates good, and He's created it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like how many different ways can you say it, right? And then majestic. And I didn't have anything for that in my notes, so yeah. the unicorn analogy came out. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think if we are willing to allow ourselves to forego the pride of thinking we need to know and be able to definitively and decisively portray yeah. what's behind a word, and we just realize like. I can't even wrap my mind around the glory of God. And similar to the imagery you gave, like to me, it's like when you're standing outside in the sun, is it about like an hour shy of setting behind the mountain for us? And the, the air like around you is saturated with just a really fine mist and the sun comes out from behind the cloud and every, it's like you're in a, in a halo type of, and it's just like, whoa, right? It's just, there's something about it that is, it's wrapped around you. The light is because of how it refracts through the mist and everything. And that's what, to me, like that, the glory of God is when it's just saturated around you. It's awe inspiring. You can't put words to it, but you just got to experience it. Yeah. And that sounds like very romantic and poetic and all that. And like, that's not my style, Sure. but that's the reality of, of these things. And so, yeah, powerful. That's really powerful. Well, so those were the four kind of primary takeaways from the text, uh, but there were also some verbs from the text, and these these are kind of like some action points of, uh, they're 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 the activities that someone who recognizes these takeaways will is is both commanded to and like should naturally uh, go and do once they've recognized these four attributes of glory and greatness and creator and being majestic. Those three verbs were to sing, uh, to declare, and to ascribe. I, I loved this reflection. And, you know, one of the things I thought about specifically along the point of singing is like for most people, I understand there's some people out there that aren't wired this way for, for music, like singing or listening to music is so often this expression of how you think and how you're feeling. And it's, it's a response when I'm having a sad morning, uh, especially when I'm not taking the healthiest steps to combat that I'll get in the car and I'll turn on sad music that kind of matches how I'm feeling. If I'm feeling really like happy and it's, you know, sunny, it's a warm summer day and life's just great. Like I'll turn on something that like makes me excited and feels like those kind of happy vibes. And it just kind of fuels how I'm feeling. And one of the things that I just was so caught thinking about in this sermon is like, if I were to really take the time to think about God's glory and greatness and creator and majesty, like it would be so much easier for me to sing about it all the time because like that's such a, a natural reflection of of those those reflection or of, of thinking about those ideas 
and thoughts. And it's so easy to sing in other areas of my life when I'm feeling this yeah. way or when I'm thinking about that thing. Um, but this is, this is how we're to reflect like the understanding of God's glory and his, his holiness is to sing about it. Yeah. I think to, to build upon your point, um, yes, the, the inherent response of singing out of what your experience is, but for me, song and singing often is also an intentional choice I'm making in the face of some things that I'm experiencing. Mm. So if I'm when I'm headed to church on Sunday morning, if I've had a little of a rough morning, I'm wrestling, as we say in the country, yep. um, with some internal thoughts, feelings, whatever else. I'm putting on a declarative conquering worship song yeah. to to guide me to church from my house. Um, if I'm out driving around and I'm frustrated, I'm putting on worship music because it's an intentional choice and shift of where my my affection, my thoughts, my declaration through song is going to be. And so I think, yes, it, it can be just a, an expression of where you're at. But for me, it's it's a weapon to combat what I'm facing often yeah. as well. And yeah. That's why for me so many times, and you can probably tell when I sing them at church, the songs with that imagery in it, like that is that what this like singing is for me when we were in Sierra Leone and we were in dark places praying for God to break open doors for his work to happen in villages that never heard about Jesus or seen a white person. Yeah. First thing we do is I'm walking around with a guitar and we're singing, we're declaring these things over this mm -hmm. place. It was, it was more uh, in those environments about what we were facing sure. than just our experience. And so um, to sing for me, at least it just means so much from the spectrum of my experiences and yeah. my study in scripture and, so yeah, that was, that to me, that was like, that's a sermon series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, singing, um, and, and the power in that and what that means. And it's not just a worship sermon series. It's a, it's a weaponry yeah. sermon series as well. Yeah. I mean, it's like what we reflect in so many songs that, you know, like praise is a weapon that, that helps us fight spiritual battles. And, uh, yeah. we need that. We really need yeah. that. I love too just your points of declare and ascribing God glory. Uh, what a what a cool and clear text for just the the significance of telling people about God's glory and greatness, about His holiness. And uh, I I just I'm so excited for this sermon series because thinking about the idea of like holiness in our culture and context like that's that's something that's difficult to talk about to a non-christian like to to tell someone who isn't a believer about god's holiness that sounds like kind of daunting and scary to me yeah. that like i would try to go and communicate that and i'm grateful and excited for just from this sermon and as we consider many others to have some really strong like biblical framework in which we can help communicate this to not just for ourselves but for other people yeah no absolutely i think it's going to be a great tool i pray that it facilitates conversations and i think that's why the necessity of just getting this rolling again yeah just to hopefully people will listen they probably forgot that we do this but um if we allow the thoughts of God's holiness to saturate like our weeks, which we're called to do to yeah. some extent. 
I believe the the outcome of that will be a proximity to his heart and yeah. his mission and his people that will cause the change that we pray for and say that we want to see around us. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's all that's all really good. I just have a couple of questions for you, yeah, you as do. we as we wrap up. Uh, talk me through the process of preparing this sermon. Like you know the process. That's you, why you're asking me. <laughs> you preached, but yeah, but I want I want you to share with other people, not just because you've never preached like primary text as as a psalm. Um, it, typically, you wouldn't like it's you know the the psalms are reflective and they inform like yes theological truths and realities but they're it's 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 not often like what we would choose as we're saying we're preaching through this psalm today like we preach through yeah, apostles teachings and from historical books and all these kinds of things uh, but there's power and beauty to reflecting on texts like these mm-hmm. and uh, so tell me what was like what was a little different what was challenging or weird or or encouraging yeah. preaching through a psalm i can only speak to the way i preach and the the people that i study right um so when i share my opinions on this it's not some definitive in textbook sure. thing um for me psalms are typically secondary texts to illustrate the experiential nature of the narrative that we would primarily preach yeah. um a lot of people desire to preach more in the form of the narrative of the stories and the ongoing, like, um, here's what God is doing, rather than pulling a proverb or a psalm and basing an entire sermon right. around it. Now, obviously, it was a fine psalm to, to be able to preach through, and there was really clear direction in it. It was just new for me. Yeah, And I remember when we were working on this, I was like my guy like i've never preached through a psalm as a primary text and and i think you were like yeah i don't, I don't know that i i have either uh and so um but simultaneously it it challenged me um this is one of the more challenging ones i've had in a while and i had an extra week hashtag ice um and so i don't think that all of the things that you have mentioned is like this was impactful i don't think those would have came out last week if sure. i ended up doing it that all happened post ice apocalypse mm-hmm. and uh so yeah that that was a challenge um explaining um like ideas or more ethereal attributes of god like these these things are a challenge for yeah. me as well um and we've already talked about that so i won't hit you with that again but yeah, it was just it was a different kind of of thing to put together, and you know we mentioned in the in the sermon series intro, so you guys are, are aware of this if you heard, but this is a series that every nation, a lot of every nation churches are going through together, which means they give you some like primers of here's some ideas of where this could go, but in a lot of ways that can be harder because I want to stay united with our global family of churches and how we are, what we believe God is wanting to highlight out of these things. But at the same time, I have thoughts too. And so um, putting all of that together is another challenge Mm -hmm. in this. And every year we like, ah, are we going to do that series? Like, yes, we want to be good, good family members. Um, But it does create just another layer of of discernment and contextualization. Because if you're getting notes of here's some thoughts that, work for 80 different countries Mm -hmm. (laughs) you can't just plug and play stuff and 
it can create some harder work. I think one of the other challenges for me is, um, and you've talked about this, when you're illustrating things from personal experience, um, it can you have to be delicate about how you convey them so that you're not offending anybody that is either in or has been in similar areas. Sure. So for you, it is often family dynamics of having a split family and yeah. growing up with that and being powerful, necessary illustrations to the point, yet desiring to be honoring and respectful of the other narratives that were happening in that as well for other people. And so when I use my previous religious upbringing, uh, specifically Catholicism, to illustrate points, knowing that we have a lot of people that have been or maybe still would identify as such in the room, um, I can get a little um, timid. Yeah. And I felt like, by the grace of God, I, I wasn't. It was really clear thought path and how that um, played out. Uh, in the opening illustration, but that was another hard thing mm -hmm. for me anyway. And then when you have a family show up that, you know, is still, yeah. that's their primary identification. And so, um, those are some of the, some of the challenges. Yeah. I thought, I thought you handled it all phenomenally. Um, I thought, I, th I thought the, the Psalm was really appropriate for the, the topic of what they really wanted to get out of this, this first message of setting the tone of God's holiness. And yeah, I, th I think you're right. Like Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, like uh, song of Solomon, like all of these like poetic, I've only used that once. <laughs> all of these, <laughs> all of these like more poetic or wisdom literature pieces do have some really interesting and difficult dynamics of, applying because they give us like the human experience and reflection on theological truth in both positive and negative examples. Yeah. And so you might read something in Ecclesiastes that you're like, Oh, that's what the text says. But then you get to the end of Ecclesiastes and you find out that the writer was not right all the time, that not everything he was saying is actually the truth because this is kind of his diary of talking about like, why do bad things happen to seemingly righteous people? And how come the text says this, but then I experienced that or Job is that way too. And so it certainly is unique uh, preaching through some of these that, that have very human experiences like with theological truth. And yeah. I thought that was great. And yeah, I thought you handled all of the other challenges very well. Um, I appreciate that. Just as we end, um, you know, what, what are you excited about? What, what encourages you as we look ahead for the rest of this sermon series for, for our church, for our people, for the people we're going to impact, uh, whatever it may be like, what's, what's got your heart excited for the rest of this series? Yeah. How much time I got? Uh, like two minutes. All right. <clears throat> Continuing with the theme of encounter, um, as we encounter the holiness of God, it should cause us to exhibit it and apply it. Mm -hmm. And um, I believe that those are all actually part of an encounter. Yeah. Um, but so not to just attribute things to God, but to allow those things to transform us. And like kind of how I ended the message, I was trying to frame my heart is like, okay, how is God glorified in this? And what's that going to do in your life? 
How is your heart transformed because of this? How is mission, like joining in with what God's doing with humanity, accelerated? Not just maintain. How is that accelerated because of this in your life? And then how does the gospel apply to this? And so um, the, the idea of, gosh, these things are amazing about God. I can't even comprehend them. But my goodness, they compel me to do something. Yeah. I don't do something so I can experience them. I do something because I have experienced them. Yeah. And then if we live that way and we say, yeah, the verbs should come out of these, right? We sing, declare, ascribe. And, and the, in turn, that we're encountering the world from a godly perspective. It's not just about me encountering God, but now we are encountering him in the mission and the world is encountering him through our representation of him. And so just all of these ideas in that, um, for it to be grounded in this, like just so awe inspiring that like, I can't help, but yeah, do something about this. And I think one of the great injustices of, of Christianity, if I can say that, is when people receive information and it just stops with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you've been around for more than a week, you know that about us. But like, th- this stuff is meant to activate something as like the scriptures, the person of God, like what Jesus has done for us cannot be just contained in our minds and in our own little yeah. silo of life. And that's my heart is that this would compel people to represent or as Steve Buss, I heard it from him the first time, represent mm-hmm. Jesus uh, in our city. And man, the city needs it. Yeah. And so. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that, reflecting on this message for all your time and putting together not just this sermon, but plenty of other ones for our church community. It's an honor. I'm excited to see what God's going to do through the rest of the series. I'm excited for this week. Yeah. God. Pastor Case on the mic. It's going to be a hoot. Keep going. Nah, that's all. It's just that's a, all you got? Just a teaser. Well, thanks for listening to uh, this week's episode of the Extended Cup. Pray that it blesses you and encourages you. Share it with someone that, uh, you know, was there on Sunday or is listening to the podcast and needs to think more about it because we all do. Love you all. Grace and peace. See you soon.